Ready to unwrap a surprise from Consumer Cellular? Experience the gift of freedom with no contract, no hidden fees, and always free activation. Here comes the holiday surprise. From now till December 31st, new customers can enjoy their second month for free. To get this holiday offer, visit ConsumerCellular.com or call 1-888-FREEDOM and use promo code PODCAST. Act before December 31st to get your second month on us. Use promo code PODCAST. Even long weekends are short, so why spend a second of this one on a drink run? Instead, get drinks delivered right to your door with Drizzly. Drizzly is the easiest way to find the best prices on beer, wine, and spirits, so you can get back to lighting those totally legal fireworks. Download the app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Because the long weekend will be over before this ad is. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals Podcast. So good to be with you. Thank you for making time and listening. And boy, this will be a fun episode for you because I brought on someone who actually found part of my TikTok video and used it in a montage of other videos to talk about deconstruction at his church. And I, uh, someone sent it to me. I emailed the pastor, said, hey, would you want to come on the show and have a good faith dialogue? He agreed. Um, and what you're going to hear is that audio. So I brought on Pastor David Griffin. Uh, he's a he's a pastor of a church over in Texas. Um, and it was honestly, it's one of those things where it's like I have these. I I, I see like the sermon. I'm like, okay, I have a lot of questions. Then we're talking. I'm like, oh my god, um, do we agree more than we don't agree? I don't understand how this works. So maybe we can just all blame the internet for the miscommunication. I don't know. And obviously, yes, we do see things very differently. You'll hear him say a few different things that you'll probably be like, oh, not my favorite take. Or if you're one of uh, maybe the people from his church who's listening to this, people will say, oh, this is a great take, and my take isn't that good. That's okay because part of the work that we do as new evangelicals is we want to do our best to engage in good faith dialogue with people that we don't. Don't see eye to eye with. That is imperative to our work. It, 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 it's something that we must do because it reduces the amount of temptation to dehumanize people who we think are are the other, and we don't want to do that. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. It means so much that David came on the podcast to make the time to talk, and uh, I would love your thoughts. Whether you agree or disagree, you can shoot us a DM on our Instagram at the New Evangelicals. You can email me, thenewevangelicals at gmail.com, whatever you want to do, but I would love your take on this interview. Quick, uh, just warning, content warning. We do mention um, um, uh, sexual abuse in the form of rape at some point as an example of a situation you understand in context, but I don't want to, I just want to make you very aware, audience, that you know there is some language that's a little more adult, so just be aware of that. All right, friends, without further ado, here's my interview with David. Have a good one. All right, Pastor David Griffin, um, thank you first off for making time. You pastor a community life church or a sea life as, as it's known in, in, in your community. Uh, I appreciate you making time. It, it's not too often that people decide to come on the show and talk about this stuff. We don't see things the same way. So any chance to engage in good faith dialogue, I always tip my hat to you. So thanks for coming on. Thanks. You bet. Of course. I really appreciate it, Tim. And 
had the chance to, you know, have some familiarity with your podcast and certainly am uh, a grateful for the spirit in which you uh, tend to entertain guests. So I hope to be one of those. <laughs> yeah, you know me, just juggling balls back here trying to entertain, you know? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get it. So let, let's start here. You know, I, I don't know a whole lot about you personally besides the one sermon I watched. How how did you grow up? I mean, did you grow up in evangelical spaces? Yeah. What does that journey yeah. look for you? And, and why did you become a pastor? That, that honestly, is a tough job no matter where you land on on, on how you view pastoring it's a tough job so how right. did you end up doing that yeah that's a great question you know first of all I, I grew up uh, in, in a uh, fundamentalist uh, fundamentalist uh, Baptist uh, Southern Baptist Church honestly um, it was a, 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 an interesting experience to say the least mm. um, I, I, I'm grateful for how it formed me and I certainly do recognize that when we're born we know nothing other than what we um, are taught. And uh, so, you know, I didn't know anything other than that. Um, so, you know, I kind of borrowed my parents' faith, if you will, sure. uh, to start with for, for a while. And then, uh, and then you know, and, and some of that just became, you know, I, I joke a lot of times that I started with what I would call a, a moral gospel or a legalistic gospel, mm-hmm. um, at least in, you know, that's the terminology that we use. And then I went to an intellectual gospel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, and then finally, I, I moved to what was called an achievement gospel. And all three of those had some weakness because, uh I'm modifying what I think need not be modified. So having said that, you know, I mean, I remember growing up, uh, you know, and I, I remember spending the night with a friend of mine, his name's Kevin. I won't give you his last name because he could possibly be listening. Um, but I remember I was at Kevin's house and, uh, and I went to his, uh, and I went to his refrigerator to get a Coke and uh, in the back of the refrigerator was beer. And, uh, and, and I remember staying up all night long thinking, I thought these people were Christians. I thought they were going to heaven, but Clearly I was mistaken, you know, I was misled. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the kind of, that's the kind of fundamentalism that I, that I grew up in, if that, if that makes sense, just, just it to does. give you, and, and, and that was real, by the way, it wasn't like it was fake empathy on my behalf. I was really concerned. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I kind of went through that and, you know, kind of wanted to be the person to behave, but, but of course, just like everybody else, I struggled to, I struggled to behave always, you know, um, you know, I struggled to do right, whatever that would be based mm. on, you know. Um, my upbringing. And so eventually I realized that that that's kind of empty. And then, and then I went to, um, you know, then I kind of turned to, you know, intellectualism and got to college and of course started reading all kinds of people. And it was all about how much I could know about, Mm. about the Bible. So I went to Baylor, which is a Baptist university, um, you know, and, uh, bears. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my friend uh paul guttaker just got his phd through baylor recently oh okay yeah, yeah. He, 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 okay good awesome yeah. is that is that a true it was that a true it uh i don't know i don't know how to tell okay. you the truth yeah okay all right yeah. well good yeah so so anyway so baylor university and then after baylor university you know i kind of went through that intellectual phase and then early on thought you know that that, that my faith was about how how intellectual i could sound and how smart i could sound um, and it was a little bit of an overreaction, honestly, probably to that fundamentalism, as you can imagine. Sure. There, you know, and so then I moved, you know, from that I moved into, I found the perfect setting. You asked me how I became a pastor. I found the perfect setting to move to my next phase of the gospel, um, which was the achievement gospel, mm-hmm. um, which was then, and church really allowed for that, for me to take kind of my, my highly driven personality mm-hmm. And, and really succeed, right? So in each of those areas, I want to succeed by obeying, then by learning and being able to spout off intelligent things, and then by building, you know, building great ministries, building big youth ministries, all those kinds of things. And so, sure. so, so anyway, uh, just 
real, real quickly, 17, almost 17 years ago, um, just through a series of events, ended up uh, planting the church, Community Life Church, um, cha- did some things that we thought would be different. We had seen a lot of demagoguery um, in the, uh, the churches that we had attended. There was about three of us that got together and started this thing. And so we have a, a little different model from the very first day. There's three of us that are overseers and we're paid the exact same amount. Um, regardless of, without regard for our education or our experience, um, because we believe if there's no real equality, there's no real accountability. And the church has been plagued by a lack of accountability. <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Right. And so, so we have three of us and each year there is a leader amongst equals. In other words, just the person that sets the agenda. That, that That's all that means is that someone, you know, sets the agenda and we have, you know, some, some lay, uh, you know, we have four or more lay overseers every year that, that walk with us, but we stay, we stay in that. And then, uh, and then of course we also are committed to small buildings. We're not, we're not trying to build a mall or anything. Uh-huh. Um, you know, six flags over Jesus sounds great. <laughs> uh, but we're just not really sure what we feel about that. So we have small buildings, we have uh, multi campuses. Um, all of them have on-site teaching, um, bringing nice. along, you know, we're all three teaching, you know, we rotate, uh, you know, so that so that once again, you don't hear this voice that's just a human's voice that's just constantly telling you the exact same thing over and over and over again. So it include so it, you know, um, I hope it inspires some critical thinking and things like that because you hear different voices and and all different ages. We have different races, um, you know, um, you know, in our in our I guess our ten teacher, you know, we have. African Americans, uh, Hispanic, you know, so so, and, and different ages. I'm the oldest at 53, um, and then we go all the way down to one of those uh, main communicators is 23. Wow. Okay, um, we're going to come back to that in one second. Uh, your church structure, sure. which sounds great. Yeah. So, j- just for your context and for the audience who may be listening for the first time, the snapshot about me is I was also raised fundamentalist in a Baptist okay. environment. Uh, same same view of alcohol. Uh, my, my, my alcohol shifting moment, I didn't even start even, I, I don't drink often e- even now, but um, when I was in Europe, I, I was working with, with uh, I was overseas for three months working with a church uh, and one okay. of them was in Brussels, Belgium, and they had beer and, I, and, 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 they, they, and they met in a bar and I was like, oh my God, I talked to my buddy, I said, dude, I can't can't go and hang out with this church. They meet in a bar. That is like it does not compute for me, you know. So uh, I totally understand that. Uh, I was, I think I said I was homeschooled for nine years. Grew up in a very okay. uh, John MacArthur type, uh, you know, environment. Oh, wow. Um, always committed to Jesus. I did, you know, I, I rose up to the volunteer ranks. I was an usher as a child, started playing drums early on when my fundamentalist church was going to try doing some more contemporary praise choruses from their hymns only scenario. So they figured, Hey, let's get an 11 year old kid on the drums. Who's going to yell at him. So I started playing drums at, at age 11. Um, and I was committed all, I mean, and still am, but I was committed, a committed Jesus person all the way through. I, I worked with parachurch ministries. I did VBS. I worked for an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship that, that, that does these five, uh, five day clubs over the summer. Um, I did the missions trips. I helped plant churches. I led worship as, as a drummer for a lot of years. I still play professionally today as a musician. Wow, so, awesome. um, I just say all that because, you know, the person you're talking to is someone who I would say, in, in a kind of a half joking matter, but was one of the star pupils of evangelical yeah. culture. You know, right, my, my, yeah, my wife sure. and I waited to have sex until we were married. We took purity culture seriously. I took the Bible yeah. seriously. I really wanted, 
I wanted it, you know, like very much like you. I, I, I was, I was curious intellectually about this. I wanted to think about how do we, how do we love Jesus well, all, you know, and also love our neighbor well. That's always been my mo. Right. It is now. It was then. That yeah. has not changed. Um, Good. And also, I want to say, and then we'll move on to the the main crux. I want, I want to respect your time. We have so much to get to. I really love. Um, what you said about your church model with the three overseers, because even before I quote unquote experienced this deconstruction thing, we'll get into that in a minute. I always critiqued mega church culture. I always found it lacking this whole one CEO model. I found more of a, a, of a cultural characteristic than a quote unquote biblical one. And I I think, I think that community of leaders creates accountability automatically, right? right yeah. And I, I think that's so healthy. So let me just applaud you off the bat. Like, oh, I, I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. And I, you're right. Uh, the, the, in particular, the evangelical church, I think is plagued by accountability issues. And I think sure. that's probably a good segue sure. into our conversation of why, no of why a lot of us, I think, have experienced what we call deconstruction. So before, yeah. you know, let me kind of put it in your ballpark. I listened to your sermon. I, I, I took some notes. Okay. And I said, if we'll get to it, if we get there, we get there. Um, yeah. Give me, you know, it, on the surface, I'm like, great. But then when we get to this deconstruction idea, we kind of start parting ways. So for sure. you, how do you, how have you seen deconstruction and like, how do you kind of define it in, in that evangelical deconstruction sense? Yes, there's a philosophical term. I get all that. But right. as far as like, like, like that layperson view, how do how do you define it? Yeah. Well, you know, um, so I don't mean this in any way pejorative. I'm just explaining my fundamentalist background, right? Is that I would, is that we would have called it apostasy is what we would have called it back when I was a young person growing mm-hmm. up. And you would have too in your homeschool. Totally, totally. <laughs> in your homeschool background. So, uh, so once again, I don't mean to, to label anybody with that, but I'm just pointing out that that's what, that's, that's kind of um, what you're speaking of. But, you know, for, first of all, you know, Tim, my big heart is to is to just is to love people well. I mean, that's 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 my 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 biggest heart, and and I do believe that the gospel, the true gospel, the spiritual gospel. I believe that that does change people's hearts and it changes their lives, it changes their marriage, um, it changes their relationship with other people. Um, you know, I, I I do believe that, and you know, and and so so having said that, I'm not primarily. I just want you to know, I'm not in the space. I'm not on Reddit you know, trying to, I'm, I'm not on there, you know, typing responses to people on anything, you know, and, and, sure. and, and, and I read them occasionally, you know, just so I can kind of know what's going on. But so most of my experience is very, you know, sitting in my office with someone who's, you know, maybe where you are, or maybe where you were, however many years ago, this was that you kind of maybe stepped away from some of that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so a lot of my experience comes from that. And so, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts. You were talking to a guy who wrote an article with the gospel coalition. He was way more educated than I am on, on exactly kind of what's, you know, society wise um, would be written on that. Sure. And, uh, and maybe even more theologically, although I feel like I have a somewhat of a theological understanding of it. But I think that for me, deconstruction yeah. is is someone that has made that is that is in the process, and and you know, and I do believe it's a process. I don't believe very very many people that are that are deconstruct deconstructing would feel like they fully reconstructed something that they can hold on to. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I think that most of them, and and I think there's some. By the way, 
there's a lot of wisdom in that for all of us, regardless of how much you foreclosed on what you believe to be true. Yeah. Um, so I think that deconstruction is someone who is reconsidering the things that they inherited, um, you know, from whether it be an institution or a family. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to think that it's usually those two things. Sometimes it's a friend or an FCA an organization or something like that. Um, church, you know, of course, um, that they've inherited. And, and they're kind of going back and they're asking the question, do I really embrace this? Yeah. Is this my own? Or was this something that was basically bequeathed to me or on me? Yeah. So that's kind of how I view it, if that makes sense. I mean, I could give you some more details as to what I believe are parts of it, but that's the Yeah. Difference. You know, it, it is interesting because I, I discovered that even the term after I started the New Evangelicals on Instagram. Like I started right. this account, like, hey, um, honestly, the reason why I started this account was because of of of, of my own tradition's response to COVID. I, I found okay. that okay. I found the evangelical church with this anti-mask, this is tyranny, and then Sean Foy doing these worship gatherings. I thought I I I don't know. What, I mean, I was still drumming at at, at a at a, a charismatic church every Sunday, fully committed, fully all okay. in. And I thought, okay. I, I just, I can't, I don't get this. I don't know how we can say we love our neighbor and we can't wear a mask without calling it tyranny. Okay. So, what, so when I started the account, I didn't know deconstruction was a thing. You know, I kind of like <laughs> fell into this this term. That's funny. It, it, it's interesting, right? And I, I think now I being, being in this space for a little over a year and now doing this work full time, what I found is that deconstruction is way more an explosion than a movement. And here's what I mean by that. Wow. Okay. An ex- explosion is people are going in all different directions. So you are, you are, I would say you are correct when you say, I've seen people walk away from their faith through deconstruction. That is an accurate statement. However, there are many people who have said, actually, I'm having a crisis of theology, not a crisis wow. of faith. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm committed okay. to Jesus. But this okay. framework that I've been taught that Jesus is and, 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 and how he advocates for certain things in our society and maybe how he votes and maybe, maybe yeah. the lens he looks at, he looks at, 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 at hell through. I don't know if this is the only okay. way to see these things. And okay. so a lot of those people have found spaces like ours, the New Evangelicals, for example, because we're, I mean, I would argue I am, I would almost say I'm more committed than ever to Jesus, wow. but but the framework that I w- I w- inherited, I don't think I was given not intentionally. It wasn't malicious. I just don't think I was given like, hmm, maybe the full picture of what was really going on. Okay, between okay. between the ideology that was kind of mixed in to my fundamentalist evangelical bringing upbringing okay. in America, and also the reality that the Christian tradition is really wide and really complex. Okay. And there's not just one way to be Christian inside the Christian house. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I do. Yeah. So that's where I kind of land on this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that, I think it's interesting. You know, one of the things that, that really helped me, um, I think along the way is, is the opportunity to travel. I lived, you know, for three months in, in, in Australia doing youth camps and things. And that gave me a little bit of a pause because of course, faith is expressed a little bit different there. And whether it be traveling, you know, to, to Cuba or to, um, to Argentina. Um, and of course I've traveled, I mean, I've traveled, I probably had 30 trips to Africa at this time, you know, and just all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, hang on a second. I need to, I need to, (laughs) you have to kind of reevaluate, right? Evaluate, right. Because you get kind of myopic 
in your own little world right? and, and even your right. own little Christian world. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that even though it may not be exactly expressed the same way that yours would be, um, for me, I've had to challenge some of my theology and some of my thoughts um, because I, because I realized the gospel has to be true in Mosul, Iraq, in Accra, Ghana, and in Forney, Texas. Right. Right. It's not the gospel. But but yeah. the expression, but the but to be clear, but the expression is clearly different in these places. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, what do you do with like the reality that right now as we speak, you have the Catholic tradition, the Eastern Orthodox tradition, the yes. Protestant tradition, you know, then even a Protestantism, right? You have charismatic, you have Baptist. You know, sure. what do you do with that? Because I grew up and I was also very hungry for the Paul Washer type theology, right? Like oh, wow. we okay, had to yeah. protect the yeah. true gospel. Yes, but right. I have found that even that language is still seated in a specific theological yeah. tradition that really sure. other, I would argue, legitimate Christians, Eastern Orthodox Catholics, um, yeah. you know, are Christian, but they would say, no, what, what are your thoughts? thoughts on that because i think that i think that's oh, a big man. point of contention between folks like myself and maybe folks in, who are still more seated in that evangelical sure. tradition does that make sense sure yeah of course you know obviously the word gospel itself just means good news and i only hold on to it because it it it's you know it's spoken of regularly you know i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god and the salvation and uh, which, by the way, I am ashamed of several other things that I've added to the gospel down through the years, mm. um, even things that I've taught, uh, you know, and I look back and I feel like I've got to call people and apologize, sure. um, both for both for tone um, and for content. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of looking back on that. Um, but but having said that, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will give you the question one more I, yeah, time. I was just asking about like, how do you view that the fact that there are many different streams oh, of the Christian tradition that really yeah, disagree yeah. on big things? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, first of all, you know, first of all, the interesting thing is, is we're using the word Christian as another example of like the word gospel, right? You know, that, that we use that word, we use that word that way. Um, the word Christian is only used three times in the Bible, mm -hmm. you know, and, and only one time is it used by a Christian, sure. uh, you know, or um, so so, you know, we've kind of we've kind of made that we've kind of made that whole thing up. Uh, so I think when you ask about the term gospel, first of all, I'm not afraid to use that terminology at all, because I do sure. believe that's that's, you know, the, the key to what I am. But all of the differences in, in expression do not change the essence of I, I guess what I'm saying is, mm. is that is core theology. And, and, and I know that's weird now, and, I, and I'm hesitating to use that terminology, not because I'm afraid of it, but because I know that we're opening a can of worms there. But, you know, so, so, so I recognize, I guess what I'm saying is, is that the, the message is, is sacred, but the method is not. So we, we can have all different kinds of method, a lot method, methodology. And I do recognize that there's some, you know, really stronger theological terms that are theological ideas that, 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 you know, people may disagree upon. But inside of most, I mean, so even honestly, probably, goodness, you know, I, I don't know what the number is. I, obviously, I'm the expression of faith at my church is nothing at all like a Catholic church. But I do believe that probably sure. about 80 percent, 90 percent of what they believe, we believe as well. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because of the same Completely. source. Yeah. One, one of the, the the direction I was I was kind of going in okay. is because one of the critiques that I get often as an org, as an organization and just someone online is that you know because we hold or I would hold now to a different view of hell. Maybe I wouldn't hold to a okay, conscious okay. torment. Right. I would hold maybe more towards annihilationism. Maybe okay. a hopeful universal reconciliationism. Okay. Or, you know, person. Yeah, yeah, or because sure. I'm queer affirming. Okay. Yeah, sure. All yeah. of a sudden, I get told, "Hey, dude." You're not a real Christian. Like you are outside the bounds of orthodoxy, right? And what I do, what I think is I go, listen, even if let's say we both agree on on some of the most basic creeds, like the Nicene Creed, none of those things talk about that. Like the Nicene Creed doesn't talk about sexuality or the afterlife. So what are we arguing about? So my question was kind of getting to the point of like, like, would you consider someone like myself who would hold to views like that? That I would say, you know what? I think based on the best evidence that I have, trusting the Holy Spirit working through the community, we are queer affirming. We we wouldn't say we're we're, we're hard-lined on what hell definitely is, but we're definitely more open to exploring that. And maybe I would even say the modern view of biblical inerrancy I wouldn't hold to. Am I somehow now outside of of, of the fold in your perspective? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a good question. Um, that's a really good question, Tim. And, and, and we would have to have probably a lot of several conversations in order for me to get to that particular, to answer that particular question. But honestly, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think yeah. you, you brought up something interesting that might solve this problem. Well, remind me to come back to hell in just a moment. Okay. Just remind me because yes. I want to, yes. I want to make sure. So if I'm, I'm pointing at my screen here, but if you, uh, if you imagine a canvas, Every one of us is in the center of our canvas, if that makes sense. All of us are. I mean, when it comes to what we believe to be true about the spiritual, sure. everybody has a canvas, right? And we're in the middle of it. And, and, and some people have a big canvas and some people have a small canvas. And, you know, there's some, there's some people that are way over here. And then there's some people that are way over here. Does, it, does that make sense? And so yep. they're super different. Totally. But I do believe that they're both on my canvas. Right. So to determine whether or not you would be on my canvas or not, would, t- would would honestly take a little bit more time. Now, by the way, on my canvas means does not in any way mean that you and I, you know, can't, you know, go have a drink together, hang out together, whatever. That that in no way means that. Right. Um, I'm just speaking theologically. I want to make sure that, that you're clear about that. Hmm. And when it comes to hell, I would say that I would say that, you know, I've kind of gotten to the place where 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 I I kind of believe that that, you know, it's none of my business who goes to hell. Hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of how, how I, I get to that. That doesn't mean that I don't teach about hell. I think it's, I think it's a real thing. Um, I don't think that we completely understand it any more than we fully understand heaven. Um, but I'm in the, I've been commissioned by God to, cause, cause I don't believe God's in the hell sending business. I believe he's in the heaven taking business. Mm-hmm. So I'm always out there looking for ways to tell people about, man, here's, here's Jesus Christ. You know, you know, that he's the way he is the way. Um, to God, he he showed us God in the flesh. He was the he is the spiritual marker that 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 is the only way to God that I know of. Now, once again, if I get to heaven and it's like, and if I get to heaven and there's people from a different faith tradition that's, that, that are there, then I'm going to be like, no, oh, okay, great, fantastic, go God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does it, does it, does that make sense? Because I'm not yes. I, I'm not so insecure about this. I'm not God. I'm not so insecure about this that I got to figure it out who's there and who's not. I don't. Okay, I got to ask you this question then, because yeah. the way you're talking, I'm like, okay, yeah, this sounds like, okay, I would definitely love to talk more. So uh, here's the question I have to ask. What prompted you to do a two-part series on deconstruction then? Like, what, what yeah. is the, what's the danger you were seeing that was like, you know what, I got to preach not one but two yeah. sermons on this. I, yeah. I got to know. Sure. 
Sure. So, so I think there's, there, yeah, that, that's a, that is a fantastic, that is a really good question. <laughs> I, I, I like that question so much. Um, so, so to, to be clear, I, at the beginning of the, of the first service, the first message that we, that we preached on it um, is, is we talked about, man, we understand deconstruction. As a matter of fact, in many ways, our church is very deconstructed. I mean, we don't pass offering plates. We don't have a come down invitation. Right. Um, you know, there's obviously the songs that we choose are not, are not, you know, um, classical in that sense of, sure. of of the Christian faith. They're not, they're not hymns, although we use those sometimes. Sure. Um, and, and honestly, even inside of Christian circles, there's a lot of people that come into our church and they're like, well, that is not my speed. Um, that is, that is way, you know, more intense than, than we're used to. And that's fine. Um, <clears throat> we're not anyway, kind of, but, but the answer is, is because we believe that people, there's so many people that are, that are struggling with some of these questions. And to some degree, you know what, let me, let me, I will, I will answer your question, but I want to, I want to give you this. When I was, when I was growing up, okay. When I was growing up, if I wanted to become a Muslim, I'd have no idea how to do it. Mm. I wouldn't even know where to go. I wouldn't even know what to say. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, but now you can Google how to become a Muslim and you've got 485,000 sites with all different opinions on how to become a Muslim. I I didn't even know a Muslim when I was growing up. I wouldn't even, Mm. I wouldn't even start it. And now I have access to, to, you know, 500 million of them mm-hmm. on the internet, you know, mm-hmm. if, right. if I want to. So, so, so there's a different change. And even in the church settings, and this is why, and this is why I think to answer your question. So if you think back to, um, by the way, don't hold me to the years here, but if you think back to <laughs> okay. the 1950, okay. Sure. And, and you were trying to figure out, does God choose man or does man choose God? I've been reading my Bible and I don't know the answer. Right, right, yeah. Okay. Where did any respecting, uh, respect intellectually respecting um, Christian go? Well, the answer is they went to the church and went and set up a meeting with their pastor to try right. to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so he was the only voice. And he was this authoritative voice, right? Mm-hmm. And in some, and, and, and by the way, whether or not that person was a truly, you know, we'll use the term good person, a truly good person or not, right. he was the authority. Right. And always a he, by the way. Um, and and that's, who you, that's who you would go to. Now there's a million places to go to. Yeah. And so we wanted to, so to answer your question about, we want to speak into the space where everybody else is speaking and not just sit back any longer and say, as a reaction and say, look, we, we just, we, um, you know, we're waiting for you to come to us for the answers. Mm. We're like, Hey, how do we do this? And, and not only did I want to speak into that, but I want our people to understand they can speak into it because they're out there, man. They're, they're out there in, in cyberspace. They're out there at little league baseball games, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And they're coming across people that find themselves questioning what they were taught from the very beginning by that pastor that their grandparents went to talk to, to figure out if their, their grandmother was in hell or not, mm-hmm. or what a Muslim is, or what do we think about gays or, you know, I mean, does, it, does that make sense? It does. And I have to ask this follow-up and don't take this any kind of way. I don't mean it to sound rude, but do you think that people who are quote unquote deconstructing want to hear what you have to say, given that you represent what they left? Oh, that's a good question. I think, um, I think, you know, so, so the, the two parts of the, of the message were the case against, and, and we did it a little bit different. So if you went to the second one, you wouldn't see my message because one of our other pastors, one of our younger pastors was, was sharing, Got it. but you know, so, so mine was the case against the one that you saw is the case against man. And then yes. we talked about the case against God. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so, so we kind of talked about that. So I, I, you know, as you, as you heard in the message, I did a whole lot of, you know, explaining the struggles that we have. Um, but at the end of the day, it's whether or not it, it, you've got to make a decision based upon what's true about Jesus, mm-hmm. not what's true about me or even about our church or about once again, somebody else speaking on behalf of the church Yeah. or speaking on behalf of God had done to you. And that was the gist of the message. So I, I, I would hope that someone that's deconstructing would appreciate, particularly the first message about the case against man, sure. where, where I was able to go in there and say, look, I, I'm, I'm sorry that you were hurt on this. I mean, yeah. um, whether we meant to or not, because the difficulty becomes is that the church is trying to be a place where both the victim and the, vic- and the victimizer get redemption. Mm-hmm. And that's a very difficult, that's a very difficult balance, you know? <laughs> Yes. Okay. This is actually, a, I think, a, a, an important point that I, I, I want to draw out is that, you know, I think that that there's a, a misperception. I'm not saying, you know, I'm saying in general from evangelical yes, right, culture. Yes, right, yes. Um, that, you know, that people like myself or deconstructing whatever, that they're like asking for perfection when in the reality we're asking for accountability. Yes, right. Sure. I mean, and there's a massive difference. Like, I, I don't know of anyone who if they were a victim is like, oh my God, um, you know, um, I'm leaving this church because there was justice and accountability. It's usually right. because, oh my God, I told my story and they told me, sorry, mm-hmm. we don't believe yeah. you or sorry, this pastor's too important. I mean, one example of right. this is, is the video that went viral maybe a month or two ago of a pastor who gets up on the stage, he confesses that, 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 oh, that, yeah. that a long time ago, right? He committed, a, 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 he had an affair. Turns out the girl was 16 years old at the time. She came up right. and advocated for herself, right? right? And, and and that's not yeah. the most, like, yeah. I think, perfect, like, um, example yeah. of what happens, right? Where where I think a lot of people in these spaces, I, I, I want to be clear about one thing. We're not critiquing the church. We're critiquing sure. the systems that we've mapped onto the church in 2022 America. Sure. Sure, right? And there's that. a big difference, right? And you and I, I think, would agree with, with how you with how your leadership is structured intentionally sure. to have accountability. And yeah. so I think what happens is that is that I agree that liberation needs to be for, for the victimizer as well. Like we should sure. be liberated from our own times that we've oppressed people. That's what repentance is for. Sure. But if the church consistently chooses an ethic of centering the victimizer over the victim, I think we have a problem there. Because yeah. and I, 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 a couple of quick examples of, of just more popular examples. Mark Driscoll is still a pastor who who is still accepted in yeah, mega church culture today. Still today, he was speaking yeah. with Robert Morris last year. The whole nine. John MacArthur had three stories come out about him uh, um, housing not one, not two, but three different men on his staff who molested children. One's in jail still yeah. today. He's still in leadership, and people defend him. And I can yeah. go on and on and on about these sure, stories of, of people who they say we're held to a higher standard. We're leaders. We have authority. They abuse that authority. They misuse that authority. And the victims are left behind the church. And then yeah. the victimizers are still in power. And then the victims speak up and we're told, oh, you're just bitter. You didn't forgive them. It's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, we're, what are we supposed to do in yeah. this scenario? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's that, that's great. And, and I appreciate that. And first of all, I just want to make sure that everyone that is, you know, watching this podcast or listening to it recognizes that um, that 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 grieves me deeply. Um, not just that they were victimized by the church, um, or at least they are, are victimized by an individual as, as egregious as that is the, the fact that they weren't heard is, is really, it really, really kind of pierces me a little bit. Yeah. 
Same. So um, I do this work. <laughs> to be yeah, honest with I know you, you, you know? do. I appreciate that too. <laughs> but but I will say, yeah. um, once again, that that our faith is not supposed to be in. I mean, we we teach this. Our faith is not supposed to be in um, in any individual in any individual um, or really e- even any structure. You know, I, I preached a sermon a few weeks or a few months ago. Uh, you know, on, on Christian nationalism and 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 basically just explained how it was idolatry. Oh, thank God. Oh, and, thank uh, God. Woo. Yeah. Thank so, you. Uh, well, I mean, I just, I just, I just, you know, presented that, you know, clearly. And I, and actually that we, we always have live teaching in our te- campuses, but on this particular message, they always get to be the messages, you know, to do all the campuses at the same time. And, and what, and, and what, what's interesting about that is that, um, that I think that we can, that, that man-made religion is such a dangerous thing. Um, spirit led faith is something completely different. And that does, and obviously I understand I, I pastor a very large church. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very large church. And, and so I'm not in any way speaking against that. I'm not even speaking against mega churches. I'm just saying that, that this, obviously I do it the way I do it for a reason, you know, because of just some core convictions. It's not because I got stuck in that. It's because of, you know, some core convictions. So all, all that to say, all that to say that I, I hate that people are being used. And, and I do hate that the system has been set up in such a way as that so that the victim, you know, the, the, the victims are not are not heard or listened to. And listen, and, and, and all this happens, you know, because once again, as a church, I, I mean, this is recently there was some discussion about um, um, uh, NDAs, uh, non-disclosure agreements. And there was some discussion out there that it kind of come across from some people in our tribe uh, that, that, you know, kind of ask about. You know, and I was and I was kind of checking. So I, you know, called the the attorney that represents us and whatever. Or the or we have a PEO, which is how we pay our people, is which is through a you know just a, an HR company basically that does our HR for us. Sure. And and so I asked him the question. And so basically, every time somebody leaves our church, they sign an NDA. And I didn't know this. No, it's not an NDA. By the way, to be clear, it's not an NDA. It has nothing to do with anything being negative or whatever. It's just like, hey, you're you're not going to walk out of here and take our severance severance and just say, Hey, we, we hate you and you're horrible and whatever. So I was like, so I'm like, Hey, should we consider that? How, how, how what should that look like? I mean, we don't care. We don't have anything to hide. Um, but you know, what would that, what would that look like? And we weren't even doing it. That was our PEO doing it, just like mm-hmm. they do for every other organization. And the question is, should the church do anything different than, than, you know, than, than, uh, you know, whatever, um, is Enron. Okay. I uh, know we'll call it Exxon. Exxon. Let's go with Exxon. Sure. Uh, you know, or, or anybody else. And, yeah. um, so, so I, I hate that anybody has experienced that. And it is true that, 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 that churches have created a systemic, you know, sometimes, um, well, I, I'm trying to think of the terminology that I would use. Hmm. Um, it, it can be systemic, um, because you've created a system in which, which, um, you know, people are not held or people are not held accountable. And once again, accountability is a biblical idea. Canceling someone is, is, is not, or getting rid of someone would, would not fall into that category, obviously. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I, okay. I, I whenever I, I'm just going to be transparent, honest with you, whenever I hear that word used, I, I just flash right to right-wing politics. It's a big sticking point that they okay, use. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm yeah. not accusing you of being a Ben Shapiro sure. talking yeah. head, but that's just what I hear. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, I, I struggle with this because for example, the analogy I use a lot whenever we talk about this is I used to work for Apple. I used to sell their okay. phones and manage. If I called a lady fat or, okay, or, right, or yeah, use right. some other, you know, a terrible slur to describe someone, I'd be fired. 
Okay. Yep. Now, if I went out the door and I profusely apologized to that lady and she said she forgave me, I would not be rehired at Apple. And I, right. I feel like what's what, something that we're missing here, and I like your thoughts on this, is 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 if someone let's just use Mark Driscoll because it's the most common example. If Mark Driscoll okay. actually had accountability and was removed, do you really think someone who's a narcissistic abuser who has an entire podcast documenting his abuse at a church should be rehired as a lead pastor? That's not canceling. That's just saying, do you yeah. think that's a wise decision yeah. to put someone in that spot? It doesn't make any sense to me. So that's yeah. what I struggle with here is like, I, I don't understand this canceling conversation I hear because it's like, I'm not yeah, asking yeah. that Mark Russell can't be a human, but maybe he shouldn't be a lead pastor given that we gave him that baton yeah. and he fumbled it so hard. There's literally <laughs> a podcast. There's a 20 episode podcast detailing how right. much, pe- how much he hurt people. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, Listen. First of all, I just wanted to say to you, Tim, uh, uh, man, you're a fun guy to be around because I love your passion. I just, I just, love I am it, passionate. It's, like, it's true. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know. So when I get going on preaching, all of a sudden, some people, some people will, will will be like, "Man, what what happened to you?" All of a sudden, I'm like, "I don't know." Some, I don't know. Some care, but I, but I appreciate because I see the same thing in you. I get fired up, uh, you know. I do. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. You know, and and, and I think you know. Obviously, I, I don't want to speak to any particular to any particular person, um, sure, you know, in, in, in my circles. Cause obviously I, I, I don't, I don't know them. I don't know Mark. Um, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've met him twice. I'm in my entire life and, uh, and never had more than a five second conversation with him. So I, I, I don't know him. I don't know the church. I listened to the entire podcast. There are so many times that, that, that honestly I called our, my co-pastors and I called them and I said, I said, do you realize how much God protected us because this could never happen to us. It's not right. even possible. It's right. not, I mean, I'm saying it, w- it wouldn't even be possible. Now I'm, I'm not saying that because we're good, we're better than him. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying because our system is yes. set up so differently. Yes. You know, I mean, at least once or twice a year, the three of us sit down with one another um, at, at some point or another and say, Hey, this is, this looks weird or this is strange or, and I don't, I don't understand why we're, you know, whatever, spending money on this or why we're what, whatever, um, or why we're supporting that. So, so that happens all the time. So I can't speak to that individually, but what I can say is that at the end of the day, people have to make that, that people have to make a decision. And, and, and so there's two kinds of people, right? There's, there's somebody that's just kind of re- rebelling against man-made religion, um, you know, and the, and the system that, that it has established. And then there's somebody that that is trying is that is giving up on, you know, that is that is trying to get rid of somebody without any without any grace or or mercy. Does that does that make sense? So so when I say the word canceling, I'm just referencing. There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no w- walking through this. I'm not talking about. Um, I'm not talking about. Well. I, I'm trying to think of exactly how to, how to, how to verbalize that because I, I don't want to spend, I don't want to waste a ton of time on, on canceling, but, but I certainly can. I don't, I just don't want to go down a rabbit hole. Well, let me, let me ask it this way is, is yeah. in, I, don't give me any names and you can change yeah. the situation, but can you think sure. of an example where that's happened? Where like someone's just been kicked out with no grace, mercy, or empathy after they've repented and said, Oh my God, I made a huge mistake. And they go, sorry, you're canceled. I can't think of one example. No, no, I, I'm referencing, I'm referencing from people, from people generally speaking. I, I, I'm referencing canceled by people inside of the, of the, of the fellowship. Right. I, I'm referencing. I, so I'm not referencing people that are, that are on, on the fringes, maybe even an agnostic or secular humanist. I'm not right. talking about them canceling someone in the church. I'm saying that someone else 
is done with somebody completely and they and they can't and you know unless they go to prison and then they would probably be okay with them having being involved in prison mm-hmm. yeah got you, you know? okay um, fair enough so so I'm, I'm not really referencing when i use the word cancel i'm not i'm referencing inside of the church i apologize i should be careful with that kind of language i I'm, I, I was kind of using an insider thing of that that person needs to be gone forever because that person you know did whatever um, that was that was hurtful. That was hurtful to someone else. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I think I hear what you're saying. I do think that it just depends on what happened. You know, if there's yeah. um, if someone rapes someone in the church, that person, yeah. no matter how much they forgive, yeah. shouldn't be at the church anymore. Not saying they but can't yeah. find Jesus somewhere else or but whatever, yeah. but obviously for the sake of what happened to that person, and I I know that might sound like an extreme example, but unfortunately on my end. I no. get so many messages and DMs about abuse like that. No, that, listen, you know, it's just hard to hear. If somebody comes to our church, listen, you can be forgiven by Jesus. Yeah, you can be forgiven by Jesus according to my theology for being sure. a child molester. Hmm. But you can, but you can never enter into our children's area or anywhere close to it. And when you come to our church, you'll report to us every time you arrive if you right. were a child molester. Right. Does that make sense? If you lived in, you know, Iowa, you moved down here, that would be the way it is. And that's both legal and spiritual. Yeah. And, 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 and once again, that is not because that is because we have a, a greater calling to protect, um, to protect people. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and so, so I think that, so, so to answer your question is, is that yet, yeah, so, so I'm using an even more extreme example than you are. Um, right. I'm just saying, so yes, there are situations in which we would say, you can be redeemed before Jesus, but you cannot be redeemed in church work. If that makes sense, it in makes that complete sense. Yes, it makes it makes a. It, it's yeah. a that's a wise decision. <laughs> it would be foolish right. not to do that, right? Um, right. Okay, um, we got about five ten minutes left, which time really flies. Good. Do you have any questions for me before I keep asking you my questions? Just so I give you some time, man. I, you know, like I said, I, I, I've had the chance to watch a couple of your uh, a couple of your uh, podcasts, and I look forward to to listen to more in the future. But uh, but. But anyway, so so I, I don't know that I have any other than other than just right. you know. Well, let me. I want to ask you a question at the very very end. Why don't can we do that? Can I ask you that? Yeah, again? sure. Um, so you go ahead first, and you t- you take up another five minutes and give me a couple at the end. Fair enough. All right, let's do the last question and. Up to you how you want to answer it, but I think that yeah. that you, we have to recognize that at least for me, the beginning of wreath, uh, the beginning of me recognizing that because I shared the same beliefs with people, did not mean I shared the same values with people in my mm. tradition. Wow, that's was, good. Was twenty sixteen was Donald Trump? Okay, okay. This was okay. the moment when the people who raised me as a child, who taught me about sexual purity, pornography being disgusting, the people telling me that Bill Clinton right, isn't trustworthy because of what he did in the White House, are now saying, hey, if you're not voting for Trump, are you really a Christian? I mean, I wish I can say I'm exaggerating, but I'm not, right? The guy on the cover of Playboy magazine, all of a sudden this like Trump mania sweeps through the church. And that was a moment where I said, oh my God, something, I, I didn't have categories for yet, but something is way wrong in my tradition. Can you understand how between the Trump mania, the handling of, of, of the racial injustice we saw with, with, with the murder of George Floyd, the lynching of uh, Maude Arbery, the murder of Breonna Taylor and many others, and the COVID response 
with not all, but many prominent evangelical leaders being on the forefront of talking to folks like Charlie Kirk saying how masking is tyranny and oh my gosh, my rights. Can you understand how that trifecta, that trinity, if you will, can really create (laughs) what we're seeing today where people like myself who really are devoted, think about the words of Jesus loving neighbor, Matthew 25, you know, not all who say Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom, but those who do the will of the Father, you know, clothe the sick, take care of the poor. We read that and we go, this is what is happening in my faith tradition. Does it make sense when I frame it like that, how people can say, I'm committed to Jesus, but this thing that I, I, I this, this um, framework I was given, I need to rethink with how I express yeah. my love for Christ because something is way wrong in this tradition. Does that at least make sense? Well, it certainly makes sense because I understand that, <laughs> that God oftentimes, God oftentimes uses um, a discontent with where we are to draw us to something new and call us to something new. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very possible that that holy discontent that, that, that a person feels um, and, and I'm not even disagreeing that yours would fall into that category. I mean, I, once again, you I would have to, I would have to spend a lot more time to, to, to get to know kind of the, the, the heart of all of those things. Cause certainly all those things are a little more complex. I mean, obviously you're, when you start throwing out Charlie Kirk, I mean that, that, you know, I think of, I think of the lady that'll be sitting on the third row when I'm at the Sunnyville campus, um, uh, you know, uh, this coming Sunday when I'm, when I'm teaching and I can assure you that, that she is, that her heart for people is nothing like Charlie Kirk, you know, but she's getting thrown because she's an evangelical Christian. She's being thrown into the exact same conversation as Charlie Kirk. So I'm not I, under, I understand that, but just one yeah. counterpoint. I briefly, I have to say this Yeah. statistically, the data I believe shows and whether you believe with me or not is up to you. I can give you sources on this, yeah, sure. that the average white evangelical is discipled by right-wing media more than anything else. I mean, Tucker Carlson, yeah. Charlie, Alvy Stucky, Ben Shapiro, yeah. Sean Hannity, that's who has the ears of white evangelicals. So whether that lady sees or not that influence is yeah. there it's in it's in the water she she swims in in my view just to, i, yeah. I want to so, make that so, so that so yeah that's good so and, and i'm saying but that's sociological in in, in nature i'm saying mm-hmm. that, that that's not necessarily spiritual i'm saying that that, that to put two people the, the the spiritual fiber of that lady sitting in the third row on the sunny boat campus or anybody on the row with her likely um, is going to be much different than mm. than you know some of the, some of the people that are out front making this. I mean, look, Ben Shapiro doesn't you know? I mean, he claims a, a theism, a, a kind of a Jewish theism. But I mean, you mentioned his name a minute ago, so I'm not sure. even never met him. Not speaking negatively about him, just pointing out that that I I'm just saying that that when it comes to something spiritual, and I just want to make sure that at the end of the day that we recognize that that that's where the core is, is that what's happening inside of us spiritually, a rejection of a particular congregation. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, here's, here's the thing, um, Tim, I was at a church and I left that church and I won't go into all the details, sure, but did not embrace a, most of the things about that church as far as how it worked in practice. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's extremely different. And, and, and the reason why is, is because it was, I, I rejected those things. I rejected those methods. Um, and, and even some of the messaging, I rejected some of the messaging even. Uh, so what I'm getting at is, no, it doesn't surprise me that you had the exact, exact same thing. I would just say to anyone who might be struggling with this is make sure that you don't leave. And you mentioned this earlier, don't leave faith. Um, because of a faithless organization or an organization that at least appeared, and I want to be clear, at least appeared to you to be faithless. Because once again, 
the lady sitting on the third row may appear to be faithless because she's just in there and she's not nearly as vocal as the pastor of the church that she used to go to, but she didn't agree with him. And over time, maybe she ended up at our church, if that makes sense. Sure. That makes complete sense. You know, to, to, just to be very fair, and I'll let you ask my question yeah. and we can wrap up. You know, I, I don't really blame uh, the average evangelical attendee uh, for, for for the culture that evangelicalism is currently sure. in, embroiled in. Sure. I really look at the leaders who allow this stuff in there. I'm not saying you necessarily, but I'm just yeah, saying in sure. general. And no, so, yeah. you know, I, I think that part of our work is always going to be advocating for accountability in those spaces because I do track how Charlie Kirk is working with Dream City Church, one of the largest mega churches in America, to start a, a, a grade school that isn't going to be woke, that's going to tell kids the true you know, reality about America. It's just like, it's yeah. very interesting to watch this partnership happen. So I don't blame the person who, who raises their hand on Sunday and tithes and, and loves Jesus and just loves the church, right? She doesn't know any better, yeah. but I blame the leaders who have an obligation to be those gatekeepers in a way of saying, actually, this is a very dangerous ideology that's inside the church right now. And I, I'm sure yeah. if we were so, over dinner, we talk about what, what yeah, we sure, define as sure. dangerous, but you know, that's how so, I see it. You know, yeah. So you think of like, and, and I'll give you this about the, the I, I want to return finally to Christian nationalism, because we've obviously scored around this and we could probably choose any one of these topics and we could spend the tons of tons of time on them. I'm mean, sure, sure you'd agree on that. Yes. Um, because you, and you do, as a matter of fact, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool job actually. Yeah. It's not um, bad. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I was preaching my message on Christian nationalism a few weeks ago, I, 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 this part didn't actually end up making it into the final cut, but just because honestly, I just kind of forgot it because I kind of got caught into some, some stuff on idolatry that I was kind of explaining, but here's, here's what I, what I, what I wanted people to understand. I say, you know, we've got to be very careful that we don't believe that policy changes people's hearts. We believe hearts should change people's policy. And the, the idea is, as we look back to when Jesus was walking around and when Jesus was walking around in, in Israel, Everyone was pointing to um, these dirty, rotten Democrats, I mean, Romans, um, Romans uh, that were the problem, mm-hmm. that were the problem. You see what I'm saying? And, and uh, obviously, I hope everyone understands I did that intentionally. Um, yes. <laughs> that no one thinks that. So the, the, the dirty, rotten Romans. And the idea was, Jesus, if you just get rid of the Romans, we could be spiritual again. Mm-hmm. We could be a spiritual country again. Every problem we have is the Romans. It's all policy. And if you could get rid of their policy, we'd be able to institute monotheism again mm-hmm. and not and not this Roman mythology. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was that the Rome, the idea was that we need policy to change people's hearts. And, and I just don't believe that's my duty. I mean, as a matter of fact, we say we're, we're, we're wanting to, you know, we're not trying to make a point. We're trying to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really talk politics a whole lot at all. Now we talk about the way that politicians may behave or mm. device, divisiveness and things, but that just doesn't really, you know, come in, come into play to play at all. Mm. And, and I see it and I understand it. And sometimes, and sometimes we get blowback and sometimes we have people leaving our church, mm. um, you know, because, because of that, especially every year, every time around election season, you know, yeah. they want us to stand up and make some kind of proclamation. And, uh, and, and by the way, and, and honestly, at our church, it's probably, oh, I'm going to guess it's 75% one way and 25% the other at our church mm-hmm. um, would be my, would be my guess. Yeah. And, um, and, 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 I'm, and I'm just going by the people that overreact when we say one thing or another. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are, um, I, I, we can unpack that for a long time, but I want to respect your time. And you have a question for me, so go ahead and fire away and then, and then we'll yeah. wrap this up. So, so when you think about deconstruction, and I certainly don't want to saddle you with that term, just like I don't want you to necessarily saddle me with just evangelical, because I understand that, that, that that's a, 
that that term can be kind of narrow. But when you sure. think of deconstruction or the idea of, of what do you feel like spiritually, what do you feel like you're rebuilding? What do you feel like you're rebuilding right now? Or, or what does the house look like, if you will, the spiritual house um, that you're building? What, what does that look like for you? And, and, and that you feel like might even be inspiring to, to people that are listening. Are you asking like uh, on a personal level or an organizational yeah. level? Yeah. I oh, mean, I'm, I'm mainly personal, mainly personal, yeah, but it can be organized. Yeah. You know, for me, it's interesting. Like I, I've been in deep in evangelicalism for 34 years. Uh, most of right. my life, I read a lot of the books. The way I phrase, I phrase it is that I'm kind of coming out of the basement of evangelicalism and, and walking into a house I never knew existed. Like, yes, oh, right. okay. I, yes. I didn't know James Cone existed as a black liberation oh, theologian. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. have questions. I want to explore that room. Um, one of my good friends, uh, Trip Four, he's a big process theologian. I want to explore that room. Uh, Pete Enns, Bible for, for Normal People. I want to explore that room. So right now, it's it's a, a kind of, to use the Christian term, season of really just yeah. saying, whoa, this is, uh, this is some new territory for me. And before I start jumping to brand new conclusions that I'm so certain about, based on what I already know, let me hold these things a little bit looser and just kind of explore. Let me let me check out this room for a couple of days. Read some books right. in the room. How was it built? How did we get here? Do I agree with all of it? Maybe I don't. Maybe I do. And then kind of move along. So right now, the way that I see the, the spiritual side of what I'm doing is just kind of renegotiating terms I was taught and seeing them through like a wow, different yeah. lens. Like, for example, prayer. Like, what really is you know, prayer, like, okay, this is interesting. And then there's, there's a, some theologians I've listened to about prayer that have kind of framed it in a new way for me personally. It's not new. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's sure. you know, ancient way of thinking about it, but we're I all that, borrowing. Right. Exactly. We're all borrowing. So I, I say that because that's kind of the moment I'm in is like, I, I need to explore. I thought I knew that, that what Christianity was turns out I knew what evangelicalism was in my American context, wow. which is totally Good. fine, but there's a lot more to explore before I start making new personal claims of like, yes, I'm, I'm overly confident in this new thing. I still hold wow. to very, uh, you know, orthodox positions, death and resurrection of Jesus, physical resurrection. I would hold to the yeah. Trinity. I, I even would hold to the virgin birth, even though I've heard some arguments that maybe think about it, you know, in different ways, but I would hold to pretty orthodox beliefs about all that kind of stuff. Um, but at this point, um, I'm just exploring, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm really curious for the first time yeah, in a long good. time. And I'm, I'm kind of addicted, honestly, <laughs> for right yeah. or for wrong. You know, I kind of can't yeah. stop reading new things and learning. I just, I'm enjoying the process. Yeah, well, that's good. And, you know, and that's part of what I believe is, you know, God's unique thumbprint on your soul. And I think that you can help other people along the way in their journey. And I think the only thing I would say to listeners out there, this is the one thing I would say is, sure. is that first of all, make a decision based upon what you believe to be true about Jesus, not what you believe to be true about people that claim Jesus, because they may or may not even know him. Um, and then secondly, I would say, um, ask God to, or at least consider rebuilding something. And I'm not saying rebuild alongside of me or the evangelicals, um, you know, as, as we might call them, I'm not asking you to do any of that. I am saying though, they just recognize, and, and I know it sounds like you are, and that's what's so awesome is, is that, you know, explore, don't give up, keep fighting. I, I admire you for fighting for your faith. Um, I really do. And, and Tim, that's the thing that I, I picked up on so quickly is I feel like you're fighting for your faith. And I hope, and, I, and, and, and once again, not, not your church, not your tradition, whatever, fighting for your faith. And, and I would just encourage everybody in the new evangelicals um, to do that and know that, um, you, that you're a friend and uh, uh, all, all of your friends and you're welcome anytime. 
Awesome. David, I really appreciate making time to come on and have this discussion. If we ever do it again, we definitely should. There's so much more we could unpack there, but we'll let this go now. Let the audience decide what they think about it. And thanks for making time. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate you, Tim. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAIC preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWHVACTrainingSC.com to enroll. Inquire.